Hey there folks over at CommanderCast.com and MTGCast.com It's time for another late night episode of Rivals Duel uh, The show where we have lots of technical difficulties apparently Yeah, um, turns out I'm a horrible person is actually the moral of this <laughs> You're not a horrible person It's just your turn to be the bad guy <laughs> Sure, like that's We've we've had some some technical stop and starts and my stupid real life getting in the way of me podcasting. Um, yeah, god damn that actual real life with real people thing. Right. It's like here's my three hour window in the next two weeks we can record this, Eric. If we don't do it now, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So our previous episode also went up late. We'll post a thing apologizing for that on our Facebook page, which you guys already have read. But yeah, it'll that be- episode was recorded on time. It- yeah, the episode was recorded on time. It was a technical issue with it getting up, which is unfortunate. Yeah, but, uh, this goes back to Noel's sh- I can't say that word on the re- podcast person. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all right. Mm-hmm. What else is new in the in your life, Noel? Uh, so I have I have not got to crack a single pack of Eldritch Moon yet, and that annoys me greatly. Yes, I can imagine like, it would. Oh. Like this includes going to a shop and like buying packs. To be fair, mm-hmm. I got the one card I wanted. Sure, but you also only wanted one card out of it. I d- and I got that card, <laughs> and it's spectacular. Yeah. So, yeah, I have been... I spent a week uh, doing work stuff. I did... And then this week, I'm prepping for another giant work thing. I, my life has been a great deal of work lately. I... Like, nothing beats having executive in your title, so you're not actually 40 hours a week. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, uh... Enjoy trying to get some games of Magic in edgewise during that whole thing. Yeah, so I spent a lot of time theoretically thinking about Magic, but actual playtime, none. Well, I I was so inspired by our topic of conversation today that I made a deck in the theme of what we're going to be talking about. You made a technical difficulties deck? (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 I did not. Because the theme of our episode is not technical difficulties. The theme for our episode was supplied by a fellow named Wayne. Yes, this is a very cool... It's funny because Eric and I's sometimes our Venn diagrams of what we enjoy out of magic are very, very far apart. Very far apart. Like opposite ends of the planet. Yeah. On the other hand, this this deck. (laughs) This deck is right in the middle of what we like. And uh, this deck is... uh, Shall we? Should we give it away now? I, there's well, no. Let's let's hang on to it because we do have a little bit of news to talk about first. So we will leave this. Just know that this tickles both Eric's and my fancy button far far too much. Absolutely. All right. So in news, before I talk about the deck I made, uh, we don't have much news. The French ban list changed for everyone who plays that format. <laughs> yeah. Do you have those changes handy or? Uh, I do not. I remember the big one is that the two big uh, blue delve cards got banned, as if that balances blue and French. The uh, the big draw one and the extra turn one oh, have both time been and banned. Those, those are the ones. And uh, they saw a general banning. It's not the one you're thinking of. <laughs> I, it, I don't know what's already banned in French, so... Yeah, well, it's not any of the ones that you would think of. Of. It's Marath. They banned Marath Will of the Wild. Really? Okay. I, I guess they don't like people playing Naya. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that... Is Okay, people who play French, help me out here. What's the deal with Marath? Like... I think the idea is that Marath gets out ahead of other uh, aggro decks and then, like, snipes 
them. Sure. So he becomes, like, the only viable aggro deck. But, like, if getting out ahead and then just staying ahead is the problem, then theoretically, like, Geist of St. Traff should also be banned. Right. So Are, are Edric and Kalia allowed in this format? <laughs> I think Edric is allowed, but not as the general. Okay. Uh, Kalia is definitely still allowed. Yeah. And you're worried about something? Never mind. I'm not... I don't have... I don't have any any idea of what's going on with the French ban yeah. list. Uh, but my my problems my problems with the French ban list include Marath, but also go well beyond that. Yeah, like it's not it's not something that I know anything about. It's not a format I play. Like I am probably more equipped to talk about vintage than I am about French ban list EDH. Yeah, exactly. Uh, moving on from that, we did get some new San Diego Comic-Con Planeswalkers, but they're not the kind of fancy black, uh, reverse art one, or, uh, inverted ones that we're used to. We got... Ugly black on black. Yeah, we got zombified Planeswalkers. They look cool. Uh, they do. I like some of them more than others. Uh, I like that Liliana is not a zombie. And this just kind of takes place in a world where she killed and resurrected the entire Gatewatch. Yes. Um, uh. Yeah, and I love that they managed to find a cycle. Like, it's not just the whatever was an origin or whatever the core set, because there's no core sets anymore. So finding a cycle to to do as the San Diego Comic-Con Planeswalkers, I kind of wondered what they were going to do with it. And this is a very elegant solution. Mm-hmm. They've also managed to work a little bit of uh, each character's personality into the different arts, which is cool. Uh, for example, Chandra's, all her flesh has been burned off. Uh, Nissa's flowers growing out of her head. Jace, for the first time ever, I can say this, Jace is by far my favorite planes, planeswalker in this particular set because he has visibly removed his own brain and is eating it. Yeah. And that's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I really uh, like these. Like, so I've, I've always hated the black on black for a lot of reasons. Like, okay. the... They're hard to if you ever seen them. They're hard to read. They're uh um they're they're really not as good looking as you think. They're very kind of comic booky is the best way I can describe it. Mm-hmm. And they're they're hard to read, and especially the flip ones were just they weren't that good looking. These are these are really cool. Like I almost want to get a set of these and run like I run four of the five of these in my cube. Like these are cool. I liked some of the black on black planeswalkers. In particular, uh, I liked, I remember I liked the last ones we got, I think, because we got six for the last ones, because that was when Garrick Apex Predator was also printed. And I liked kind of the concept of that, that Garrick got so corrupted that even his entire card went black. So I, I, I like, I like that idea. Uh, and also because, because of the art, on the the way the art uh, is done on the black on black planeswalker cards, you can see more of the art because the the kind of boxes that the abilities are written in has gone away, mm-hmm. um, which is only a benefit for Garrick Apex Apex Predator because mm-hmm. he's got four abilities. Oh, that's so for his... the time before last. Last time was the Flippy Walkers. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, the time before last. Yeah, the one where we had the Golgari Garrick. Uh, and I like that because he has, obviously there's not a lot of room to show off that art to begin with because of the four abilities. So having it on, uh, having it in this way, I, I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause that card was, looks silly as a normal planeswalker. So this makes it a little bit more approachable. Otherwise, yeah, you're right. I don't, 
I don't much care either way for them. Mm-hmm. They're cool as a concept. They're impossible to read from across the table. Yeah. They like, also create weird rules things. Like, if you are, let's say you're using the Origins ones. Mm-hmm. If you have, let's say you have your origin set, so you have your one Flippy Jace and three regular Jaces in your deck. Okay. You can't use your three regular Jaces and a checklist card. You have to use all checklist cards or all of your Flippy Jaces. Why? Because the the rules say that is the short of it. Plus, they don't want you to be able to track an individual card. Okay. So they, yeah, you have to. The 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 short answer is because that's what the rules say. Um, I actually don't know the whole reason. I assume it's because they don't want you to track an individual card. But um, yeah, you are not allowed to run. Uh, so it makes for for weird rules like that, which was really just the origins ones, but still. Yet another piece of baggage to pile onto stuff. Yeah, that's fair. They were, like, and they're also absurdly expensive for what they are because of the availability of them. Yeah, they're they're hard to get a hold of. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, that, not that these ones will be any easier. That problem hasn't been solved, but... No, but uh, that being said, you know, it's a cool another cool thing for people who went go to San Diego. I've never wanted to seek out these cards. These, this version of them, I still don't want to actively seek out. Um, and not just because none of these planeswalkers is particularly game, are particularly game breaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is cool, and I like that we're seeing something other than the black on black planeswalkers, and I'm hoping that we'll continue to see, like, a different variation of the planeswalker cycle each year, because eventually I'm sure they will do something that I want to track down. Mm hmm. Yeah, doing neat things like this. Keep this up. This is cool. Um, we do have, I guess we have, uh, October's FNM promo now, too. Yeah. It's cool. There's pirate it's zombies on it. Shut up. <laughs> it's got pirate zombies on it. Like, no one cares about that card. I, I, I have considered playing this card before. You are an idiot. <laughs> I disagree. Um, in my sweet, like, tall rand mono blue deck, this would be fine. Uh, yeah, sure. In that one deck. It's more playable than Crumbling Vestige. <laughs> Guys, we have uh, October's, uh, October's F&M promo. Surprising no one, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's got cool art on it. All right, moving on. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not going to win this. <laughs> and it's really not that good, but I think it's cool. So the email that Wayne sent to us, the one that inspired me to make a deck, was talking about uh, a particular baby of his. First of all, he, he said he loved the show, etc., etc., and thank you very much. Very much, Wayne. I love uh, that other, one, like, our fan emails now just say, insert obligating front-loading here. Yeah. They don't uh, actually write the front-loading anymore, they just write that. Uh, I <laughs> like the, um, I really like what he, the one the email where he says he's a fan, we love hearing that, but two, the conversation he started, because Mr. Uh, Mr. Wayne has a control deck. Yep. It is it is a hard jammy my kind of control deck. It is a control deck that he created in response to his mostly blue meta. Yay! Uh, and he says he basically pulled a B, got sick of throwing around counter spells, and uh, decided to make a control deck in mono red. Yeah, mono red control. Yep, and I uh and. He did not make it the same way that I did, but I was inspired by his mono-red control deck. I'm like, you know what? I like mono-red control. I'm going to make another one of those again. And I threw together a Tangarth Tallroom Hero deck. Okay, that is an option. (laughs) It's a better option than you'd think. Yeah, like, it's not terrible. 
Mm-hmm. Like, it may not be my choice for mono-red control, but... And it turns out that when you have an Inferno Titan and a Nim Death Mantle, the table has a lot of trouble dealing with that. Sure. It also has a problem dealing with that, <laughs> period. So, uh, so I, um... I did that in order to test out some mono-red uh, control ideas, uh, and our episode is going to be, we're going to stop briefly and kind of talk about the ideas of mono-red in general. However, Wayne has waited a long time for us to answer his email, and in respect to the fact that he asked for suggestions, I have made a list of every card I would swap out for something else to try. I hadn't go that far. I looked at things in kind of broad strokes, I looked at some things that kind of... I look at that and go, huh, that's kind of weird, and figure I'll ask about and and bring up some other options that I would put into. He does play some of my favorite mono red. These aren't these aren't even particularly like good cards, but they're ones hmm. of some of my favorites. Um, oh yes, like, and I will I will post Wayne's deck list in the show notes as well, so that we'll have all those. You can take a look at them too. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, this is and, uh... it's funny because this tickles your red button and my control button. So this is one of the few that will completely agree with each other on or at least yep. have valuable things he did point out and this is something that i've heard other people say too it's been a while since we've had a really good argument we're very aware <laughs> yes we will have an argument soon don't worry yes I'm, I'm sure that something will come up that we can argue about next episode will be nothing but us arguing about noel's schedule yeah yeah let's, <laughs> let's argue about if i am actually have reached the point of number one crappiest co-host ever um <laughs> All right, first of all, let's talk about Mono Red in general, Noel. Yeah. Um, Can I tell a story about Young Idiot Noel? Like yes, Noel let's 20, do this. The Noel of 2011, 2010, 2012, that era right, of Noel? Sure. So I I came to – this is this is actually the, how I got into Commander Story. Um, I was a local FNM grinder. I'd play PTQ, stuff like that. Somebody actually came to our store. None of us had ever played Commander before. Uh, Shards of Alaro had actually just come out, if that helps date it for everybody. Built five uh, EDH decks, and they were all very generic shard good stuff. Like, it was Mile of the Anima was the Naya one, and this was also pre-Commander pre-cons, so mm-hmm. there wasn't as kind of easy hand-me decks to be had anymore. And we kind of, and just took off on it. And so all of us started building different kinds of decks. And And it's funny because a lot of us came from a very competitive scene, and came to the conclusion that Mono Red is terrible in Commander. And Oopsie! Well, you can see where we came from that, though, because we, we were all tournament players. We were all thinking about it, not in kind of a Commander sense. We go, okay, what is Red really good at? Red can deal damage, but instead of trying to deal 20 life to kill a person, you have to deal 120 damage to kill all four of the people. people. Creatures tend to be bigger, so they can't be burned out. Yada, yada, yada. Well, at a certain point, it was Mono Red is terrible in EDH, and one of my very good friends, challenges me, okay, fine, if you think it's playable, you build it. So the first EDH deck I've ever been really proud of, like I built decks before this, but the first one that was one of my decks and one of my creations was a mono-red. Mm. And, and admittedly, I'm a self-avowed control player, I'll be completely honest. I built mono-red control, because that was, I'm like, I can do the things that red can do well, and try to win that way. And what, uh, what was the general of this deck? Uh, I was using Jaya Ballad Task Mage. Nice. Yeah, a very solid, like, you give that thing Quietus Spike or Bossilus Collar, we're discarding Squee, and then it just played, like, it kind of played the, the kind of fine line between Mono Red Control and Big Red, which I'm sure we'll talk about mm-hmm. uh, as far as that goes. So you'd sometimes you'd win on an X spell, sometimes you'd grind people out with Jaya, 
sometimes it was just handing, make, making Jai indestructible and casting Infernos with Death Touch over and over again. Yep, I can do that. <laughs> yeah, so that's the, the first deck I was ever really proud of. I actually, like, I took it apart to build Duretti a couple of years ago, and there was definitely, like, this pang of sadness that this deck was coming apart. Absolutely. So, so this is a, this is a, an archetype and a style of deck that I love playing. This is just my jam, because no one expects a red deck to be anything except either an aggro or, like, big red machines. Yep. Uh, that's fair. Uh, I, I don't need to, I don't need to talk about why this is, this tickles me. I, I, everyone understands that red is my color. I love it when red does things well. I love it when you play a deck that's unexpected. Mono red control tends to be a little bit unexpected. So I'm, I'm super happy with this deck and this concept. Uh, but mono red control is not as easy as just being able to remove certain stuff. Sure, and it's not like I like other colors can do control easier than mono red. Like blue, it's easy. Counter mm-hmm. bounds, draw, couple finishers. You have a blue control deck, and what those look like, and the variance of that is kind of a fine tuning thing. This is a little bit more. There's a little bit more work here. Uh, black is almost as easy as blue as well. Replace counter with removal. Have uh, some reanimate spells, a couple big things, maybe a combo and some tutors, and there you go. You got your your black control deck. You draw lots of cards, you remove lots of things. Sure. C- control in the other three colors is harder. Yes. Mono white, it's... Controlling in mono white is relatively easy, but keeping yourself in gassed up enough to yeah. stay on top of the whole table, very hard. Uh, green, it's hard to make a mono green control deck that doesn't just turn into a big ramp deck. Mm-hmm. Because that's how they tend to control is they just they ramp ahead of everyone else so they're playing bigger spells mm-hmm. before everyone's ready and they're using it to do stuff like take out other people's lands, blow up artifacts, fight creatures and stuff like that. But it's it ends up being more about the ramp than the control aspects. Sure. And that being said, in our archives, if you go back, you can find our mono green control uh, build on Polychronos from. Absolutely. Probably a year ago at this point now, a year, maybe even longer. Wow, we've been doing this a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, so uh, Mono Red Control does some things that the other colors also do, and then it does some things a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, mono Red is very much like a blue permission deck, except instead of saying, no, you can't do this, it tends to say, you can do this, but it's going to hurt. Yes. You're going to see a lot of... You're going to pay dearly for everything you do. Everything burns. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can play non-basics, but it will hurt you. You can tap your lands on your opponent's turns, but we're going to hurt you for it. It's a way of making your opponent pay for the things that their deck is trying to do. And eventually, just on top of your removal and your surprise burst damage, just burning them out on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also find that mono red, uh, control decks tend to be quite artifact heavy. Um, not necessarily artifact decks though. There just happens to be some really, really good value you can get out of artifacts with particularly red, which we will touch on as we go through. Yeah, a lot of times you can hold up some of the let's call it the gaps in red and what red can't do well that control decks want to do Mm -hmm. by use of artifacts. And you'll see that when we post this list, we'll talk about it here in a second. Absolutely. So now we've kind of gone over what mono red control does. It tends to burn creatures. It tends to burn players. And then it tends to play cards that inconvenience 
your opponents to a great deal. Um, why don't you tell us, uh, Wayne's deck is a Chandra Fire of Kaladesh deck, so the goal is to play Chandra, flip her, get some value out of the Planeswalker ability, burn players, burn creatures, have her die, play her again, flip her, wash, rinse, and repeat. And it's a very spell-heavy deck, which is cool too, because you don't see a lot of that in EDH either. Yeah, this one, the the creatures in here are all either big, like, kind of thumpy, like, these are going to be threats you have to deal with, or they're the little utility dudes that do a lot of good. Yeah, exactly. And um, the the deck itself, I've gone through and I've, I've taken out all, I've literally written down every card that I would swap out and some things to try instead. But what things have you seen in this deck that you really, really like, Noel? Okay. First of all, you're playing Obsidian Fireheart, which is one of my favorite creatures in Magic. I like Obsidian Fireheart a lot. I don't think it's good, but it's I not, like it's it It's not good, but it has some of the best text in Magic on it. That's true. It has the, <laughs> in its reminder text, it has the land continues to burn. <laughs> which Also, Blaze Counter. Yes. Uh, there's, like, the card is not, like... It's not a particularly good card. It's okay. It's fine at what it does, but it is one of my favorite cards for mostly because of that text. Plus, foils of it are really, really mm-hmm. pretty. Really pretty card in foil. Um, I like. Um, I really like how he has just committed whole hog to doubling spells. He is running dual caster mage and fork and reverberate. And reiterate and wild ricochet. He is just like he's casting two of everything. Darn right. No, I actually I like that too, especially the ones that can copy your opponent's spells. Sometimes it will be copy a spell, not copy a spell you control. Yeah, very clever way to deal with uh, your opponent's counter spells. Sure. Or just someone is doing something dumb, like I'm going to cruel ultimatum you. I'm going to cruel ultimatum you right back, and mine costs five. Exactly. Um, I, I really like that he seems to have tapped into a couple of mono reds neat little combos in here. Uh, for example, he has dual caster mage and, uh, heat shimmer as an infinite combo. I did not even know those cards went infinite until I stopped and looked at them in this list. Yeah, it'll, uh, um, I think that's how that works. You have to play the dual caster mage in response to the heat shimmer. Right. Oh, yeah. You can't, you can't just heat shimmer the dual caster mage already on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, he, ha- he also has Sword of the Animist, which is good in almost any EDH deck. That is, as long as you play creatures, Sword of the Animist is decent. Mm-hmm. But it is remarkably good in a deck that has Valakut the Molten Pinnacle in it. Right. I was going to say, it's like, and it's funny because... As I was going through this list, I'm like, Sword of the Animus? Really? Like, just use, do, oh, Valakut's in here. Never mind. That makes a lot more sense. That makes a lot more sense now. Uh, it's really, really clever uh, combining those two things, because basically any creature is now an Inferno Titan. Mm-hmm. Um, he has run a lot of Planeswalkers. He's probably run, admittedly, more Planeswalkers than he needs to. But I think it's cute, the number of Chandras he's running, plus he's running both Karn and Ugin to be able to deal with stuff like enchantments. Sure. Uh, uh, yeah, like, I, I do question, he has Sarkin the Dragon Speaker on here, mm-hmm. and are you just, if you're just using that, like, that feels like it's more likely to be a mid-range beater. Like, this is a deck that doesn't want its ultimate. Sarkin the Dragon Speaker is actually a really good card in this deck because it's basically a Flame Tongue Kavu. That needs to waste your opponent's resources to kill, because it'll just keep burning your opponent's creatures. 
I mean, sure, but like I I pay five mana for this flame tunkavu. Um, mm-hmm. that I then have to I have to defend a planeswalker at one loyalty to to use it. Now, admittedly, yes, it's taking some level of commitment to get rid of it. I just feel like there's probably I'd almost rather run like something cheaper in the same spot. Like, I don't want. Well, to... now go ahead because now now we'll we'll get into the actual switches. Sure. I don't know what I would. I don't know what if if you're just using this to deal to destroy a creature. I'd almost rather have Flame Slash in this spot. Well, I'd rather have actual Flame Tungavu, which he's not running in this deck. Okay, sure. That's that's also a better point. So I'm going to start by saying I looked at the list, and I looked at every single card, and I tried to make a... Con- uh, I tried to concede to what I know about his meta and cards that he he has to, or he, that are his pet cards. For example, he runs Genju of the Spires. He says it does a lot of work against control decks. I can kind of believe that. I would never run Genju of the Spires, but he, it's obviously a pet card, so it's staying in. He also runs Thundermare, which is his, apparently his wife's pick for the deck, because she loves horses. So Thundermare, no matter, no matter how little it does to help what this deck is, it stays in. Mm-hmm. Um... That being said, I went through and I looked at a bunch. I didn't touch any of the Planeswalkers because I thought that he played that many Planeswalkers on purpose because he was playing a Planeswalker deck. I didn't want to mess with those. Uh, and I'm actually okay with most of them. Um, the first card that I looked at trading out was Young Pyromancer. Yeah, he has... Young Pyromancer is one that doesn't really fit the mold. Like, I, I see where it's coming from, and I feel like this is coming from how bonkers that card can be in, like, Standard or Modern, where it's making a bunch of dudes... Here, the, the the little dudes you make off of, pyro, of Pyromancer is probably not going to do anything. Yeah, that's the problem. He makes a lot of dudes, but he doesn't do anything with them. He doesn't run Skullclamp. He doesn't run Perforos. He doesn't run anything to Anthem them. They're just dudes that exist. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I did was change that out for Flame Tongue Cavu. Because if you're playing a mono-red control deck, you should really be running a Flame Tongue Cavu. Sure, Flame Tongue is Flame Tongue is a fine option as far as a, a creature to add to this deck. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the next one I looked at is Gutter Snipe. Uh, I this kind of comes down to I feel like this is also a holdover from being a control player, but things being a little bit cheaper, especially if you're looking at forking them. I'm not necessarily. Or wait, this is not the card I'm thinking of. I am thinking mm. of a different. I am thinking of Electromancer, no. not Gutter Snipe. Gutter Snipe is the one that deals like two damage, right? Gutter Snipe is the one that deals two damage to each opponent every time you cast a spell. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like I feel like two damage isn't enough to be. Like I see what you're hoping to do with it. I feel like by the time that this gets return its investment, all you've done is angered your opponents. So what I did was I think Gutter Snipe is fine in the deck. However, there's two other creatures you can run that do the same thing, and I just think that he should try running both of them and keep either all three of them in the deck or keep whichever one do- ends up doing the most damage of the three. Mm-hmm. So the other two possibilities I listed were... The first one is Scab Clan Berserker, which is a 2-2 with haste and renown. You play it, you renown it that turn, which is dealing a little bit of damage, and then every time any opponent plays a non-creature spell, they get burned for two. Mm-hmm. So can sim- does a very similar thing to Gutter Snipe. He said he was in a control-heavy blue meta, so theoretically could do more damage. I don't know. Try testing that one and see which one does more damage. The other one is Zozu the Punisher. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to wonder if you were going the same route I was as far as 
potentially putting, like, if you're going to control with red, he has a surprising lack of land destruction in here. Yes, he does. So, and that might be on purpose. Yeah, and that if that's by design, cool. Yes, but, but uh, Zozu the Punisher is a great way to damage your opponents really quickly. Also a really good way to kind of stack up the uh, or, or, and, and punish any ramp decks. Or any decks that really like the game to go long. Mm-hmm. Um, next card I looked at cutting was the aforementioned Obsidian Fireheart. See, I I like Obsidian Fireheart. Obsidian Fireheart is better in like if you were gonna play big red, like if it's a red ramp, and we're kind of that. Like this card, you could probably still get mileage out of the fact that you can't counter it. It creates a source of uncounterable damage. Is cool. Like it. It's cool, absolutely. Um, this card's great against control decks because you can. There's just nothing they can do about it except take the damage. I agree. However, I think that we can deal a lot more damage faster. Okay. So uh, with most of these, I tried to swap in a card that did the same thing, but I felt a little bit better. Okay. Uh, and I feel like instead of Obsidian Fireheart, you could play Mana Barbs. <laughs> Now, see, I, I definitely thought about Mana Barbs, or the one that does it for non-basics that was in mm-hmm. M15, this name I can't remember. Um, the other thing that is on my list here, and if it's on yours somewhere later, I'm sorry, but uh, Eidolon of the Great Revel. Eidolon of the Great Revel is really good, too. Uh, he kind of belongs in the gutter snipe category, in that he deals two damage to people and punishes them uh, for playing cards with converted mana cost three or less. Mm-hmm. The reason I didn't include them is I didn't know how bad... That would hurt this deck. Uh, a lot of his stuff is kind of over the... Most of his stuff is over the top of Eidolon. Yeah, so Eidolon of the Great Revel is definitely a card for you to consider, Wayne. Uh, they're re- These are a bunch... When you look at Scab Clan, Eidolon, and Zozu, if you can fit them in this deck alongside that gutter snipe, you're going to start burning people down really, really quick. Yeah, you can definitely make an everything hurts type thing. Pyrostatic Pillar, which is Eidolon on enchantment. I I prefer the Eidolon just because it's easier for you to kill if it's getting out of hand for you. Sure. Uh, and if you end up running something like Basilisk Caller, it's a really good way to get lifelink. Sure. And and that's those are all valid. He doesn't have that many. He really does not have that many cards that are going to trigger Eidolon though. Like if he's a well, Eidolon is three, isn't it? Ah. Eh. Yeah, like it's Eidolon is probably better than Pillar just so you can kill it, but sometimes exactly. if you want something that's not killable. It's also a good way, like it's also a creature so you can deal damage with it with it, which is nice. Sure. And it can carry the sword. Uh he has Sword of the Animist in here, which uh, like we said was a really good inclusion, but he's got very few creatures to actually wield it. Yeah, especially because his general's designed to flip into mm-hmm. a planeswalker. Uh another the last creature, I think that I looked at replacing, is Tyrant's Familiar. Tyrant's Familiar is theoretically a creature that removes stuff when it hits your opponent, if your general's in play. It's it's a big threat, but it's really conditional. So, I recommended replacing it with Steel Hellkite. Yeah, that was one of them that I had thought of, was something like that. Um, Steel Hellkite also ups your artifact count, too, which could matter, um, depending on what yes. support cards we decide to run in the next section. It also... In comparison to Tyrant's Familiar, a Steel Hellkite, you can activate its ability to destroy permanents with converted mana costs multiple times. Mm-hmm. So a Steel Hellkite is way more likely to wipe your opponent's board than a Tyrant's Familiar, which can only hit a creature. Yes. Um, next one I looked at was, we get into the artifact section, Shrine of Burning Rage. 
Yeah, this is this has got to be a holdover from like this card is bonkers when you only have to deal twenty damage to someone. Like this card's great, but really for that one shot, plus it puts a giant target on your head. Massive target. It's it's nothing but standing there going, you cannot let me get this off. Uh, I understand how big it can be, but you have Goblin Charbelcher in here. That's your surprise big damage on an artifact. Mm-hmm. The, the Shine of Burning Rage should probably go. Uh, it's just you don't have enough ways to recur it. You don't have enough ways to get the value out of it. I, I'm not fond. So I suggested it with another way to consistently get damage and get extra value out of your burn spells. Uh, in a slightly different way, also a card that has done nothing but impress me over the years consistently, Goblin Sharpshooter. Yeah, I don't mind Sharpshooter. Um, you know, depending on what we're putting in here, if we're putting in something with, uh, are we, or no, I guess we're not looking at, I was thinking if we're putting something with Death Touch, because I like combos, but really we don't need to do that here. We don't need to, but if uh, Abasa's Caller would be a really good addition to this deck. Yeah, um, because... There's definitely some times where you'll just accidentally get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, next card I looked at was Coalition Relic. Can we can we back up for just a second? Because yeah, he no actually problem. in creatures he had put Inferno Titan, possibly replaced with Ember Maw Hellion. Yes. I, I think I like. I don't know which one I like better. Uh, I I think you'd be crazy to cut the Inferno Titan, and I think you're crazy not running Ember Maw Hellion. Yeah, so, I would definitely get I would definitely get Ember Maw Hellion in there regardless. But yes, yeah, so I have Ember Maw Hellion listed as a replacement for another card, uh, and the card I listed as a replacement for is give me just one moment to find it. Uh, Orbs of Warding. I don't know why Orbs of Warding is in this deck. <laughs> Yeah, that was one that was weird for me, too. I don't, like, you're kind of on that philosophy of fire. I don't care what my life total is as long as it's above zero, because all of my opponents will be lower than that. Yeah, so lose the Orbs of Warding, get an Ember Mahalian. I guarantee you Ember Mahalian's results will blow you away. Yeah, Ember Mahalian's definitely worth, you should absolutely look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, don't cut Inferno Titan. <laughs> yeah, I would I would leave Inferno, especially if we end up adding Fossil's Collar. Inferno Titan's sweet. Yeah. Uh, Coalition Relic. Nothing wrong with the Coalition Relic. It's a very, very decent mana rock. Um, that being said, in, in mono color, I don't think it's anything special. I think that you could get more value out of a Ruby Medallion. Yeah, or Commander Sphere. Yeah. Uh, the reason I like Ruby Medallion more is because kind of the, the bonus with Coalition Relic is that you're theoretically getting more mana than one mana rock would normally provide. Ruby Medallion will do that a lot better than Coalition Relic will, and it costs one less. Sure. Yeah, I would agree um, that Coalition Relic is a good choice. I am... Can I just say that every time I've played... Now, I, I know my mileage is probably wrong on this, but I've never been impressed with Goblin Charbelcher in Commander. Goblin Charbelcher is swingy. Mm-hmm. When it's good, it's really good, but I don't think it's good often. Yeah. Can we just play... I'm trying to remember the name. It's the tower from Scars of Mirrodin that I keep calling the dubstep laser. Um, Goblin Charbelcher is much better than that. <laughs> but yeah, like, it's better than that, but I don't know. It's, it's like, if you were looking for... Like, we're going to give you a bunch of cards. If you're looking for something that you want to cut, I've never been a fan of Belcher and Commander. Like, unless you're building the super low land count... Basically building a Goblin Charbelcher deck you've poured over from Legacy. Mm. I've never been impressed with damage. Like, yes, it's a big source of colorless damage, but you don't need that because you have a big sources of red damage coming up that are better. If I was to replace Charbelcher with a card, this is where I'd get Basilisk Collar in. Sure. Basilisk Collar is a card I didn't recommend based on the fact that it's, like, more than 10 bucks now. 
and I was trying not to recommend super expensive cards. Uh, and but like Charbelcher, I could easily see your. And again, your mileage may vary, but Basilisk Collar for Charbelcher, especially with the additions we're recommending for the deck, would probably be big. Or one of the the two damage guys we mentioned earlier could easily sure. swap in for that. Hmm. Um, I don't like Hedron Archive. Um, I actually really like Hedron Archive. I I don't I I'm not fond of it in terms of mana ramp. I think it's okay in terms of card draw. I think it's okay, but I don't think it's great to good at either. So I think you play better cards. <laughs> yeah, I, I notice you don't have Mindstone in here. Which... You mean mind mind? Yeah, Mindstone. No, you're right. Yeah, like I noticed that that's not in here in Archive Edge, which is weird. But I don't mind Hedron Archive. Uh, I represent. I recommended replacing Hedron Archive. There's lots of other things that do the same job better so i didn't even list them uh i i went for a completely different kind of card and that was fire servant <laughs> sure that would work there's a lot of instants and sorceries in this deck there's a lot of burning your opponents fire servant fire servant is also now that i think about it a good replacement for goblin charbelcher it's a good way to get that extra damage in mm-hmm. yeah i uh I noticed that a lot of like a lot of the greatest hits mana rocks aren't in here. There's no basalt monolith. There's no grim monolith. There's no and I'm not. Mm. There's no soul ring in here. Yeah. Uh. And while I'm uh while we're talking about like greatest hit stuff, there's no basic red draw stuff except wheel of fortune. There's no skull clamp plus uh plus the land uh care keep. There's no skull clamp plus care keep. There's no faithless looting. There's no whispering ma- or uh, maddening whispers. Whispering madness. I forget which one it is. Yeah. Whispering madness. I he think. does have. He does uh, have. Outp- he does have like outpost siege and commune with lava. Yeah, the exile ones, but not the draw. So I, I actually, actually recommended cutting Tamio's journal for faithless looting. Um, I like the actual way to draw a card and net gain cards. Like if I didn't have a, if I like you, you net gain on faithless looting because of the. Uh, because of the flashback, but like I actually like time. Uh, here's now. the uh, I like faithless looting better because it's a cheap way to trigger Chandra's ability as well. Ton tap, and you can trigger it from the graveyard, so you can cast faithless looting. You can play Chandra, and then you can flashback the faithless looting to like activate your Chandra. Sure. So I I like it in this particular deck very much. Yeah, you're probably that, getting more mileage out of it than I thought. Yeah. Um the other draw spell I recommended replacing was Browbeat. Yeah, I've not never a fan s- of Browbeat. Browbeat is just three mana deal five damage to a flare. Yeah, and Browbeat never never actually works. <laughs> so like I don't care how many times you're copying it, I'm gonna take the damage. So I think you should replace uh, Browbeat with Mind's Eye. Yeah, that would be a good one here. I was trying to think of what other ones are in here that are mm-hmm. kind of greatest hit things. Um, yeah. Uh, and then the last one in terms of like theoretical card draw that I I recommended swapping out. I think you should get rid of Staff of Nin. I think it's too expensive for what it does. And again, based on what this deck does, playing a lot of spells and you getting good effect out of them. I recommend swapping it in for another six mana card, Charmbreaker Devils. Yeah, Charmbreaker would work very well for what you're looking for here. It exactly. also gives you another body, which and yet another body uh, and a finisher in this yeah. deck, yeah. Uh, where you're playing any kind of spell over and over again. Like if you like casting spells, Charmbreaker Devils is your man. Yeah, our dude count in here is kind of low, so 
Slipping mm-hmm. some in there would help. Um, I love Pyromancer's Goggles. I love Cage Sun. I'm kind of surprised the other ones that are kind of in there. I guess Gauntlet of Power is there. Um, what's the one I'm thinking of? Lens. Extra Planar Lens isn't on here? Uh, Extra Planar Lens, I can see why it's not there, because it yeah. does cost you a land. And yeah. if it gets blown up, eh. Yeah, it sucks. Um, And also, like, that brings up the whole do you switch to Snow Covered conversation, which is, quite frankly, boring at this point. Yeah, exactly. Um, looking at the enchantments, I just passed over the enchantments. Uh, Stranglehold is clearly a meta choice. Uh, Sulfuric Vortex is a card that I have never been terribly fond of, but a lot of people disagree with me on, so I don't, I'm not gonna argue against it. Genju of the Spires is a pet card for him that he said, and Outpost Siege is, from what I understand, good. Yeah, it's, I really like Outpost Siege. I like, this deck will never use the second mode of it. It's literally just, it's it's a one-sided howling mine for your deck. Exactly. I also skip back the, by the Planeswalkers, because all the Planeswalkers in there, I kind of agree with, I kind of think are good, and I feel like he's playing a lot of those Chandras just because it's a Chandra deck, and I don't want to mess with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Plus, most of those Chandras are pretty good. Um, He's playing the good ones, at least. Uh, <laughs> um, and now You're going to get a million miles out of Koth. I'm just going to throw that out there. Like, that's great. Koth is, yeah, yeah super good in this deck. Yeah, you're going to get a lot of mileage out of that. And I'm pretty sure if you get the ultimate off, you basically win. I have, uh, now we hit the spells, and I've got a lot of recommendations just for some swap-arounds here. Some spells that I feel like y- you can play more efficient things either on a permanent or uh, spells that do the same job better. Sure. Uh, my first one is Bonfire the Damned. This is another one of those cards that I've never been impressed with in Commander. Um, my mileage has varied. Like, when when Bonfire of the Damned is good, you win. When Bonfire of the Damned is bad, it sucks. Yeah, the card I replaced it with is Mizium Mortars. Um, Mizium Mortars isn't in here. It's probably my favorite burn spell printed in the last couple of years. It is incredibly efficient, and it's a sweeper when you need it to be, unlike Bonfire of the Damned, which is a sweeper when you're lucky. Mm-hmm. Um... I replaced Red Elemental Blast and Pyroblast. The reason I recognize that he's in a very blue heavy meta, however, he's already got a lot of the fork reiterate kind of things to play the counterspell wars. Yeah, like, he's, like, I get, and and if your meta is that bad, they're probably worth running, but, whew, you gotta really hate blue. And if you're really gonna hate blue, play Boil. Like, exactly. If you're if you're um, going to go down that road, like you've got ruination. If you really wanna if you really wanna hate the blue in your meta, play boil. Uh, I recommended replacing Red Elemental Blast with Jaya Ballard. Yeah, love that. Yeah, card. does a lot of the same thing as Red Elemental Blast. Does a little bit more. Uh, plays into the theme of the deck. Very much the precursor to Chandra, and it's relatively easy to get a foil because of the uh, premium deck. So yeah. like, and the Walmart promo, like it's foils are sweet. Uh, Pyroblast I replaced with another mono-red control staple that isn't in this deck, Aftershock. Mm, I was kind of wondering if that was going to come up. Aftershock is a really, just patently good removal spell, mm. uh, kind of regardless of the colors, and it definitely should be in this deck. Yeah, it feels like it'd be right at home. Uh, I recommended getting rid of sh- uh, Shattering Pulse. Okay. Uh, I recommended getting rid of Shattering Pulse because there's already Vandal Blast and Fiery Confluence, so we've got some good artifact hate on spells. I wanted to replace Shattering Pulse with Viashino Heretic. Uh, oh yeah, the one that when it blows up artifacts, you gain a life. Uh, no, deal damage to your opponent. Oh, that's right. I'm thinking of, which one am I thinking of? Uh, 
Never mind, that's not a red card. But that's the third mode on... Okay, I was trying to remember what the third mode on Fiery Confluence was. Yeah. <laughs> destroy Artifacts. Yeah, Destroy an Artifact. Found it now. Okay. Um, Shattering Pulse is good because it's a repeatable artifact destruction. Fiashino Heretic's the same thing, except it's also going to burn your opponents. Once again, a really good thing to stick Basilisk Collar on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a cheap way, it's as cheap as using Shattering Pulse without the buyback to activate that ability. Yeah, it's also, it also ups our body count, too. Mm-hmm. I cut Ravaging Blaze. Uh, uh, I don't know what that card does off the top of my head, so I'm not sure I disagree. Ravaging Blaze. It's red, red, and X. Deal X damage to target creature, and if you have Spell Mastery, also deal that damage to that creature's controller. Oh, okay. So it's... It's okay. Uh, mm-hmm. I replaced it with Devil's Play, though, which is really good. Yeah, I think I'd way rather have Devil's Play. Yes, absolutely. Uh, if you want turn two burn spells, play. don't play Ravaging Blaze, play Devil's Play. Uh, in that kind of same vein, Fall of the Titans, it's just two X spells, theoretically. Mm-hmm. I... Recommended cutting Fall of the Titans, and in the spirit of the fact that he's playing Price of Progress, uh, I recommended playing Acidic Soil. Yeah, if we're gonna if we're gonna go for it. Big burn to your opponent's face. It's a spell your opponents don't want you to recur, and you probably will be able to recur it. It's just it's a nice it's nice hurting you, your opponent's mm-hmm. uh, spell for three mana. For three mana, you will never see that much burn on any other card. <laughs> um. Yeah. Active aggression is, it's an act of treason effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already have word of seizing for instant speed. Uh, so instead of active aggression, I recommended mass mutiny. Or as I like to call it, insurrection, but not boring. Yeah, that doesn't say just say I win the game on it. Yeah, insurrection says I win or I do nothing. Mass mutiny is much more interesting. It's much cheaper. Um, you'll get a lot more use out of it if you're able to recur it with stuff like Charm Breaker Devils. Uh, I really like I really like Mass Mutiny. I think that uh, this deck would get more use out of it than a simple act of aggression. Mm-hmm. And so, in the spirit of... It's worth saying this again. I kind of went the Landy route. Okay. Where I'm just like, you know, we could actually, like... If we're, we're kind of hinting at it already, we got Ruination on here. Um, I'm not past putting in... Uh, like like I mentioned Boil earlier. If you're really blue-heavy and want to win against blue decks and lose friends who play blue decks and not have to talk to your friends who play blue decks anymore... Play Boil for a while. If you if you're going full douchebag landy, um, if you want to be actually slightly less of a jerk about it, Magus of the Moon, and if Magus of the Moon ends up being good, Blood Moon mm-hmm. are kind of more politically correct ways to go about it. Uh, you can also go the opposite direction and play Keldon Firebombers. <laughs> yeah, I was, that was the other one I was going to say. I'm like, depending on just how how badly do you want it, <laughs> Keldon mm-hmm. Firebombers is. Pushes the boundaries of good taste and social contract. It kind of depends on your meta, but yeah, like if you're I, uh, looking to to really beat the blue deck, <laughs> I've got two uh two last recommendations for swaps. Sure. One of them is volcanic fallout. I know why it's being played. It's being played because it can't be countered. I understand that. Uh, I'm recommending you swap it out for Chandra's Ignition, partially because I like that card for the value, and partially for flavor reasons. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So that's personal taste. Take it as you will. Another one that I'm going to recommend that with is Commune with Lava. Commune with Lava is a good way to get some extra value in red. But in this particular deck, doing what this particular deck does, I think there's another card that does it better, and that's Mizzix's Mastery. Yes, that would work excellent in that spot. Mizzix's Mastery would be 
Mizzix's mastery mid to late, uh, like early to mid game, is useful to the, in this deck. Mid to late game can also be utterly terrifying. If you had a Chandra's ignition, a acidic soil, and a uh, price of progress, or even just like some random them burn spell like the fiery confluence in your graveyard and you cast mizzix mastery you're gonna wipe out players yeah people don't die yeah so that's why those are my recommendations there's of course some other good mono red mono red control stuff but like i'm not gonna list every every good card ever printed for you you know cyclops gladiator exists you know goblin welder and Doretti exist these are my recommendations for what wayne you should you these are the, the the cards you should test tomorrow, and then go from there. Sure, I do have a few other. These one, these are so much specific cards, as so much as specific packages we've talked about, and we've kind of hit on most of the ones I wanted to talk about already. We did kind of talk about the everything burns, everything hurts mm-hmm. uh, strategy. That's uh, mana barbs. That's Ankh of Mishra. That's Zozu. That's one way to go red control. The other thing I've seen is uh, <clears throat> I've I've heard it called Let's Get This Game Going. And it's where you just play things that are designed to drastically lower everyone's life total, so you can play... So where, all of a sudden, the things that are everything hurts uh, lock people out of the game. So playing things like Heartless Tickets Sudo, or... Mm-hmm. Um, and, and being careful not to play them at the same time, but things like Furnace of Wrath, or things that are going to put it to where, once you've got this kind of everything hurts, everything burns lock going on, like, if you can get, say, two lands burning with Obsidian Fireheart, and Heartless Higetsudu them one, they're losing a fifth of their life every turn. That puts them on a real fast clock. There's all three more packages I could think of running if you wanted to go that route. You could, if you really were married to Young Pyromancer, you could go harder into tokens, play stuff like Perforos, play stuff like Rakamar, make a bunch of tokens, and then use Skull Clamp or uh, Goblin Bombardment to get value out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you could play the Artifacts Matter package with Goblin Welder, Doretti, probably the two original swords, uh, and stuff like, that helps you maintain control of the board that way, stuff like Oblivion Stone, Course of Portal, uh, and what's the last one? Oh, Jite. Uh, Umizawa's Jite is an all-star for controlling the board. Um, and then the last one is just special mention for your meta. It's the Crush Blue. <laughs> Yeah. Which involves playing, you know, stuff like you mentioned, like Boil, but you can also play Price of Glory, which completely screws up any blue player's game plan. You can play Stone Shaker Shaman, which does a very similar thing. And just utterly, if if that is all that is in your meta, and I only recommend doing it if it's all that is in your meta, like literally every deck plays blue, uh, you can turn around tomorrow and snap them in half. (laughs) Yes. You will, you will lose so, anything that's got another color, but... Yeah, exactly. If if a green deck sits down across the table from you, you're dead. Yeah, but... Make friends if, with them so you can get second place, because... Yeah. If all you want to do is hate out blue, you can do that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there's a lot of cool, like... I like... I, I think a lot of times red gets a bad, bad rap, especially in Commander, of being just the hurdle dirtle burn, burn, burn color like there doesn't take any brain to play red but i really like this style of red in commander yep and that's that's again why i made my tangarth deck i really really like the it it is 
you it takes more creativity. It's not even necessarily harder. You just have to think about the process a little bit more to get the kind of value in red that lets you keep up with e, uh, in EDH. Explosive finishers in red is super easy, but getting the value to keep you in middle, uh, like mid game, is a lot harder. And being able to make a deck designed to do that and that actually does it is very satisfying. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's it for all uh, for today, folks. Uh, thank you very much, Wayne, for that email and that inspiration. Because again, I made my Tangarth deck and I'm super happy with it. <laughs> Yay, Eric has to build a deck. Eventually I will finish. I have I now have all the Planeswalkers sitting in a pile for my Nia Walkers deck that we keep talking about. Excellent. Um, as soon as I get my hands on a foil, deploy the gate watch, we're going to be on to something. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I Yeah, I made uh, the Gitrog Monster Lands Matter deck. So I've got the Hypnotoad and uh, I've got Tangarth for when I'm, I'm feeling a little bit friskier. Uh, I thought about getting the FNM promo Tangarth. Ask me how much the FNM promo Tangarth is at I, right now. <laughs> I think I know the answer, but hey, what's the FNM Tangarth at right now? Uh, if you know the answer, please go ahead. Uh, last time I looked at it, it was like 128. It is absurd. I'm going to look up the exact number just so I don't screw it up. But it's Tangarth... It's more than I want to play for an FNM promo of any card. Tangarth Tallroom Hero from the uh, promotional cards. Uh, give me just a second. Yeah, the alternate art foil of Tangarth Tallroom Hero is uh, currently at $70. Okay, so, yeah, more than I want to pay for a... <laughs> for a Tangarth. To yeah. put that in perspective, normal Tangarth... Oh, a normal... Yeah, a normal Tangarth foil, not the alternate art, just the normal foil. I'm going to get $7. Six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, less than 10%. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I made a Tangarth deck. I get to play Scythe of the Wretched. It's fun. Yay! Yeah, I'm looking forward to my life slowing down so I can actually play Magic again. Mm-hmm. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> and hopefully next episode will be an argument. Yeah, we'll have to accomplish uh, something to argue about. I'm sure something will occur. Yeah. If somebody has a really cool argument, throw it at us right now. Now would be an excellent time. <laughs> and I think that's it for uh, this week, folks. We're going to wrap up. Noel, where can they get a hold of you? Yeah, if you'd like to get a hold of us, um, we are always available in the comments below our articles on CommanderCast.com. We are also, if you'd like to get a hold of me personally, my email is NoelClausen, N-O-L-E-C-L-A-U-S-O-N, at gmail.com. I'm also on the Twitters at, at MTGNoel. Mm-hmm. I'm at Eric Bonvi, E-R-I-C-B-O-N-V-I-E, at gmail.com, at that Bonvi guy on Twitter. You can also get a hold of me at our Facebook page at facebook.com slash rivalsduel. Yep, and if you are looking for our RSS feed, it is feeds.feedburner.com slash rivalsduel. And that's it, folks. See you later. Thanks for listening.